Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we're going to be discussing the 1993 blockbuster Cliffhanger, directed by Rennie Harlan and starring Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow, Michael Rooker, and Janine Turner. This film was made for a budget of 70, it made over 255 million at the box office, big hit. And it had a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I actually didn't realize it would be so high. Um, and the average was a 6.2 out of 10. So that's pretty much in line with, with what everyone said. Um, I remember this film. There's also a video game to this film. But I remember seeing this film when I was younger. Loved it. Loved the video game. Um, it was also, I think, one of the first times that there was that like synergy for me. It was like a game and a movie. And then came GoldenEye. But we'll do a whole podcast about that later. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was, I really liked this film. This was, I was also at an age where, I mean, I was probably a little, I'm not gonna say I was too young to be seen. It was probably like 94 by the time I saw it. Um, but I love this film. Like I remember I saw this film a lot. This is a, like a movie I would rent and watch multiple times in a row. Um, don't tell blockbuster. I think my dad, I might need my dad make a copy for me, but this is one of those films, um, that was always on for me. Like, or it, Again, sound, might sound weird for like a ten or eleven year old, but I watched this film a lot. I really liked it. This is probably, I think, one of the first R films like I was allowed to watch on my own, which made me like it even more. Um, but I'm already on to. It. I like this film, I, so there's going to be some, some strong, uh, strong affection for me from it. And it, although I will say, it wasn't. I liked it. It didn't move quite as fast. It's been a while since I remember watching it. And so for me, the one thing I will say, it was a little more deliberate in the pace, which I liked. Um, not that it wasn't, I'm going to stop right there. I liked it, but I, it, looking back on it, I thought it was more like fast paced, like really fast paced action. And I, it, there is a ton of action, but that was the one thing that surprised me. I thought it was a little, had a little more of a dramatic structure than I remembered. And there was a little more, I felt like the action was was better paced than I remembered as well. I, yeah, I'm kind of with you. It, definitely a movie uh, right around the same time you were talking, like around '94. I, I saw it. I was probably a little, little too young to watch it when I really did. Uh, I the other, you know, the, one of the notes I made about this movie is like this was right before action movies kind of got a little more self aware of themselves, where you, where you kind of go into the, like that that Con Air face off they kind of almost become parodies or satires of themselves within the movie. This is still kind of like a genuine action movie that takes itself really seriously for whatever reason. And, uh, I, you know, it's kind of right before that shift. And so some of the stuff like, you know, uh, you know, the movie was really well known for that opening sequence actually, where Stallone kind of like drops the girl off the thing. Also quick side note about that. Why didn't the, why didn't the helicopter hover above them and drop a ladder down? I'm not quite sure why they were doing that whole zipline action going across the, the giant canyon. That's a debate for another time. But um, it's like they, they create this huge dramatic drama for the, the first Sly's uh, main character because he, like, drops this girl in the very beginning. He, he can't, he's too guilty about it. And then he, he ends up coming back to the mountain to get his girl. And there's this really sort of like sappy scene where he's trying to get her back and she doesn't want to leave the mountain. And all of that kind of stuff, I think if it was made today would be a lot faster and wouldn't, you wouldn't dwell on that as much. You don't really need the emotional buildup for the character for this type of, type of movie to work for you. Uh, I mean, uh, the audience at this point have seen a, a million action movies. So again, it's kind of taking itself a little bit too seriously, I think with some of that stuff and some of the emotional strings is trying to pull and whatnot. Also that setup, like 
the the rock climber who can no longer climb how tragic like it like like i totally hear you and, and you nailed it um it's right before the self-awareness and um yeah. and like to your point it's the uh the british bad guy like the foreign bad guys it, it, it's and also like the way they build the crew it, it feels almost like die hard light with the foreigners you've got the inside man um the u.s treasury agent like there's just like there's like and excuse me here there's the token back black token bad black guy on the team like it just is very formulaic but with that being said like it's formulaic but um it's also well done it's like well constructed in that sense it's also it's really one of those movies that like uh we talked about like the diehard template it really is like that diehard template where Mm -hmm. it's just diehard on a mountain and like instead of in a building it's just on it's just this terrorist that loses money on a mountain and then you know sly has to climb around and, and like you know there's a couple sequences i really like like i do like that opening sequence a lot there's something about it that's just like <laughs> you know dropping the girl from that thing it's just so it's an iconic shot honestly very similar i think it's john mctiernan is the same director as die hard as well it is and so that's that shot where hans gruber drops very similar to the the shot where the girl drops um and yeah, there's just a couple of similarities between the movie. Um, but also, I, I really like the sequence too. The first sequence where like Rooker and Stallone kind of meet the terrorists and then they're kind of locating the money and they look at Stallone and they're just like, go fetch it and go climb this hill and we're taking your jacket and your gear. And he's like in a t-shirt and he like climb, he scales this sheer rock cliff that's like 90 degrees. Just love that scene. Love that. We, the way he turns his hat backwards to climb and stuff. And some of the sequences i think are great but like you said there's a few sequences that's just like i might edit out now or they're a little bit slow some of the stuff in the third act of the movie uh, definitely gets a little more deliberate yeah the um that was what stood out to me was how long it took for the action to get going like the heist takes like 20 minutes and it's like really like you're almost like 40 minutes you're almost like halfway through the film before you like the you're actually in the plot where they kidnap someone and they're trying to have him assemble it. Like it's really, you're halfway into the movie before it, yeah. it gets, and then once you're there, it's great. But then it's also like, um, to your point, they do the diehard. It's he's picking them off one by one and it's, it's clever the way they do it. And I like it. And that's fun. That's part of the fun of these films of that. But uh, yeah, it feels a little more formulaic than to me now than it did then. Also um, the, the Lithgow performance um I'm not sure if other actors were up for that part. I do like Lithgow in the movie. I'm not sure what accent he's trying to pull off. Um, Supposed to be British. (laughs) I did not realize. (laughs) It's a little little over the top, to say the least, but I do think he's doing a pretty solid job um, of just being like a a strong movie movie villain to be opposite Sly. Um, uh, The the part where he really... um, I forgot about this until my rewatch, but he kind of has this like, you know, little steamy relationship thing going on with the female character who's kind of like a specialist for him. And then he just kills her to like prove a point to the to the FBI agent that's kind of, uh, that's a turncoat. And yeah, that part where he kills the woman, very cold. That's when you realize like this guy, he's cutthroat. He, I don't love the accent, but he was, it was a really good portrayal. I And what's funny is I thought he, I liked him in this. And like he's a little hammy, but he works in this. He works. It works. And what's funny is John Lithgow after this did Third Rock from the Sun, and like I think that's what people remember him for. But he wasn't a villain again, at least from what I remember, until Dexter. 
at season three of Dexter, which was probably the best season after the first one. He plays the Trinity Killer, and he is an, it's an incredible performance. He won awards. It, it is truly like one of the iconic TV villain horror performances, in my opinion. But you, he doesn't get to do it. Like I, I wish we'd gotten more John Lithgow roles. Um, and what's funny is he yeah. plays it really big here, but he plays a lot more subdued in Dexter, like 20 years later. I, he's a really talented actor. I loved him in the role. Although, yeah, the accent, I just... It, <laughs> That it's uh the it's the blemish on an otherwise great performance. Yeah, I might have just had him do a straight American. I, I don't know why they had him. I mean, I you know again, it's like similar to the Die Hard thing where it's like okay, Alan Rickman, he actually you know I think he does a lot better where he has a genuine accent accent and then he can do an American accent and kind of play off of it. But Lithgow. But- it's 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 yeah. It's tough to swallow that accent that he's trying to pull off. Dude, I forgot. I literally, I'm looking at my notes. So the way I have my notes, and then like I compile them, and I was just looking. One of the first notes I have is, "What's John Lithgow's accent?" <laughs> <laughs> it's oh my god! It's like literally. No, it's the third note. Oh my god! Um, it's some type of European. It's like maybe a guy that grew up in, in England and then went to Austria is my best guess. It's it's I looked in the credits. It's supposed to be British. It reminds me though of um, Michael Fassbender, who's got like a weird German slash Irish accent, and they even like oh, t- yeah. talk about it. They play it's like a point or it's a point of reference in Inglorious Bastards. But yeah, it's like yeah, it's no 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 part of Britain I've ever heard of. Um, but the, the one thing I wanted to note, not we won't go through them all one by one, but but you talked about. So, one of the some of the great scenes um the two that stood out to me were the well there's a lot but the two that really stood out to me and it's the bookend the film or somewhat do the plane heist in the beginning i thought was really well done and like that that's hard to do like that's that's a tough scene and it's kind of a wild way they're heisting and, and like shifting everything again on a zip line to another plane it reminded me of the bane it reminded me of the yeah. Bane thing in, in Batman, and I, which clearly was borrowing from this. And I was, I'd forgotten it. It was so, it was so cool. And your point is a complex, and there's a, a lot of real effects there, which I think helps it age well and make it look really cool and fun and helps give you some real stakes. And then uh, that to me was a standout. And I also liked the, uh, the finale where they're fighting on the helicopter as it's being like going, and that also Mission Impossible Rogue Nation also borrowed from that. Like, there's some pretty cool iconic uh, action sequences in this, and there's a ton of other things in between. But those two were what stood out to me. I agree. Uh, yeah, that that helicopter sequence where it's kind of like they're fighting on the helicopter and it's falling down the mountain, and you're just like, it gives a nice suspense element because like there's only a certain amount of time that that helicopter is going to hold on for them. And so I think that's a good sequence. Um, yeah, and I mean. <laughs> One of the other things I thought was interesting was just the Michael Rooker performance. This was kind of the early, like, golden age of Michael Rooker before he kind of made his comeback with Guardians of the Galaxy. And just, I always thought he was an interesting actor. Um, really liked him in Days of Thunder, too. And, like, he brings an intensity, um, very alpha male type of actor uh, that you don't kind of see often these days anymore, you know? No, it's funny you say that. I, I love him. I love him in general. He's obviously big in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but he, he was like in Slither. But like anyone who knows him loves him. Um, but I remember him even from Tombstone as being one of the like one of the sidekicks to Earp at the end. And he's funny. And it's funny. He plays a great villain. But I love him more as a good guy. Because your point, like he has this like roughness. It's not, he's not. I'm trying to think 
of certain people without being too mean. Like John Malkovich kind of has a villainous face. He doesn't always play a villain, but like there's something about his face. Michael Rooker doesn't have, it's not, he doesn't have a villainous face, but to your point, like there's just something about his face and presence. That's like, I feel very gruff or like rough around the edges, good or bad. And like that, that's a good quality. And like, I like him as a hero. Like it's cause it, I'm losing myself here. He can play both. Uh, no, I, I love seeing him. For that. Like, I think that was a good, like, that's a good casting. Cause it's like, you need somebody that can kind of stand up to Sly and, you know, be physically present in, in those spots too. And so it's like, I'm happy they didn't get like a beta. Like they went with the guy that could really kind of like, and I mean, again, I just think it was good casting. To your point, like when they're yelling at each other, when he's mad at him, like you have, even knowing who Sly is, and I remember feeling the same way as a kid, like you feel like he could pop Sly at any moment. And like, yes. and that's hard to do. And it's like, especially I'm, he's Rocky, he's Rambo. To, to, to do that, the good thing. Well, I also they, like... They had that moment where, like, he, he, he's almost going to throw him off the mountain. And it's like, he's like, you know, you killed my wife. I'm going to, like, I could do this to you right now. And it's like, you kind of believe him in that moment. And it's like, that's a good... You know, it's probably their best scene together. I, I agree. And that was going to say another thing. Like, the movie, it's a relationship film. It's about their relationship. It's about repairing their friendship through this. One trauma breaks it up and another trauma helps bring them together. Um, that's the way I view it. And it's just, I didn't realize that that was the, the lens through which viewed it this time. And I was surprised. And I think it's, again, like we talked about, like I talked about it has a diehard structure and formula, but like to me, it's ultimately a movie about friendship and forgiveness, which I think is kind of sweet in like a weird way. I'm not saying they handle it. It's not maybe the best executed, but it's, a, it's deeper than I realized. And, and it's deeper than it has a generic formula, but it's not a generic uh, end result. Yeah, it's also, you know, it's kind of towards the end of Sly's, like, real run uh, of, like, movies that you'd consider, like, good movies. Um, you know, he's had some ups and downs in his career, but I think this was kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't think, he, like, you know, five years after this, he wouldn't have been the go-to guy to be cast in that lead role. And so I did, this is kind of toward the end of, of his run where it's like he can be your main character and be your big box office draw and make an action movie like this. And so, it, yeah, and like I said, it's right at the tail end of like these genuine action movies before they kind of satirizing themselves again. And so it's just an interesting, it kind of like feels like it's the, the bookend of an era a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was looking at this. Spoiler alert. We also watched The Last Action Hero, which is coming up soon. And so I was looking at it and um, these movies, they came out at the same time. But this was like really the, the mid-90s um, I think almost like it's kind of where Pulp Fiction, I think, had a bigger like Pulp Fiction really brought the anti-hero, I think, back. And I think that combined with some other things, also some of these older guys aging, like Sly Stallone, like uh, these guys were all in their 40s and 50s now. Um, I think that with the rise of the anti-hero and then within five years, you have comic book films like it went from being a traditional like alpha male blockbuster action hero, Clint Eastwood. Sly Stallone, Arnold, Harrison Ford, we're going to punch to like now, obviously, I think it went from one extreme to another, which is not great. Now it's all superheroes, like comic IP and sci-fi, which I love, but like, I also, I miss these. I I wouldn't mind seeing like an old fashioned adrenaline, die hard on a mountain, die hard on a whatever. Like it's right. Yeah. They weren't the best 
No, they were. These were the films I loved. And like, I, these were like, these were the films I loved growing up with. I, I wish there were more of these. And you get some of them like Den of Thieves, but even that, like, they're very dramatic. Like, I, I wish there were more. And this film's dramatic too, but like, it's not as dramatic as Den of Thieves. And it's still under two hours. Like, where are the two hour action films? Like, I, I just want some of those back. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's like I saw that preview recently of like the Jake Gyllenhaal movie that's like called yes. the Ambulance. And like that, I think that kind of harkens back to it a little bit. Um, and yeah, you know, back then it's like, I think my favorite of, of these type of movies might be Speed, actually, with yeah. Keanu, where it's really just Die Hard on a bus, obviously. Um, but like, you know, that has Keanu and Sandra Bullock. I, you know, that movie moves a little bit faster than Cliffhanger does, um, and you get into it a little bit sooner. And also you get the Dennis Hopper performance. And so it, it is definitely, you know, it's a genre of movies where it's like you have a, you know, a big time male lead um, and then like kind of a, uh, a heavier actor or a more dramatic actor that does the villain. Um, and then, you know, a, a lot of combination with action sequences and stuff. And so it's definitely, you know, I think, you know, at this point, I, I'm sure people were kind of getting tired of these type of movies. And now it's like we look back nostalgically at it and we're like, we don't get enough of these. And so I do think, you know, and like you said, I think that Pulp Fiction and some of those like Nick Cage, Travolta movies that come along after this kind of change the dynamics of what's going on with the action movie and stuff. But now we're at the point where it's like, hey, give me like, you know, sometimes you just want the old fashioned like, you know, male action movie that's like just going to like, you know, it, uh, entertain you for two hours. I was to say you hit the other you hit the third factor. I forgot about this on the tip of my tongue. Nick Cage, and it sounds weird, but like Nick Cage as an action star was like, he was like a thinking man's action star. And that was big, like Con Air, The Rock, like it was really The Rock. Like this is all in the span of a few years. Like, and that was, those were all like the the expectations and appetite for action films from the audience changed within like really five to seven years. If you look at it from 93 to 2000, or which was when X-Men came out, the first of the, excuse me, 98, when the first Blade came out, which was, led to the, all the new comic book films. Okay, I'm going to get off that soapbox. Uh, not soapbox, that, but love that. Look at the synergy. This is what happens. You get people in a room, they talk. Stuff, good stuff happens. Um, I did, now this is a bit of a, it's a gripe, but it might be an unfair gripe. So I wanted to bring it up to you. Um, never bothered me before, but it occurred to me at the end of the film, I had no sense of geography on this mountain. Like, and not, and we talked about Die Hard, how they did a great job of turning that into a character. And we talked about how an action or suspense or like, if you're using a scene or a setting, it can really help. I don't know how you would do it outside of having like the opening shot doing like what they did for Shining and just doing like a full pan around. Like that would be really expensive, oh, yeah. I'm sure. I, mean, I was like, you know, show us a map at some point where some of these peaks are and like maybe where some of the like hunting lodges are so that we have some reference of like, you're, you're totally right though. Cause two, three, I mean, at, at no point do I know where I am on this mountain, how close they are to the ground, how close they are to different peaks, how close they are to the, the rescue lodge or the hunting lodges. It's just, you, you just accept where you are at any point. I mean, they also, you know, there's the two characters that do like the base jumping and it's yeah. like, they run off a cliff. I didn't know that they were about to run off a cliff. <laughs> no, sorry. And the the what led me to that was at the end. It's towards the end. He's fighting one of the the corrupt tre or the corrupt treasury agent like under the water. They're on this lake, this frozen lake. The reason this is so lame, but the reason I, I this is what stood out to me this time. Uh, I used 
when I was younger, I went to camp. We would go on hikes. One of the hikes we went, we were in the Adirondacks for a couple of days. And part of our like thing was to go see an elevated lake or pond. It was a lake in the mountains. It was like one of the highest lakes above sea level. For anyone who mountain climbs, like the guy who took me there, that's a big deal. Like, the, like those are rare. And so like, that would be a feature that people like you would know about. And so for me, that was like, the, it, hey, the base jumpers in the beginning of the film, when they see him, oh, where are you coming from? We were just fishing up at the lake. Like, I'm not here to rewrite it, but like, that would have worked. Like, then you, oh, you're like, oh, they're at the lake. And like, it, it were just those little things. Um, and it is nitpicky but the reason the reason i'm saying is to your point like they're all like you have the henchmen as a group and one of them's like ah, i'm gonna go find them and then next minute they're in a totally different setting and he's just on top of them and there's a fight it's like oh they're in the middle of a cave oh they're in a forest oh they're on a lake there's, oh, they're also, on a yeah, there's points too where it's like it feels like it's a frozen mountain where the, it's like there's ice and snow everywhere and then there's other points where it's like oh this is a rocky terrain with not a lot of and it just it goes from like i don't know what the temperature is i don't know what the weather is and like, yeah, you're, you're very, you're very correct about this. It's just like, you're just kind of, you're swallowing a lot of, like the, the setting will change dramatically from one scene to the next without a lot of explanation. And yeah, I mean, again, even if Sly's just pulling out like a pocket map and be like, oh, I'm going from here to here. And uh, this is where the lake is. Like, just give me something where I can like kind of track what's going on. Even give me an Indiana Jones, like cut to like, what do the, the fades by cut out, show me the map and show okay. him like, jumping across like that i would even settle for that and i'm gonna let it go but yeah the thing is i kept thinking like wow he's really easily sneaking up on these guys on a bare mountain like it's just like and that was for me I'm, i'll leave it there but that was one of my the gripes i had and that was one of the things to me that didn't age well and the last gripe is like we again it's die hard with Die Hard, there's got to be something like he didn't have his shoes. Like maybe you don't have a gun. Maybe your arm is like in a Die Hard film. There's always something else that's like holding you back. And so I get it. It's cold. He doesn't have the right clothes. Like that should be a bigger thing. He breaks in to, and puts on like not even a sweatshirt, a long sleeve T-shirt. And that's going to protect you against the elements. And it's like, oh, like it just was like. He never he gets into that. Yeah, he gets into that lodge. He's barely like he's just like huffing. He can barely talk. He's got a t-shirt on. Puts on a long sleeve sweatshirt, and it's like he's sweating again or something. It's like it makes no sense. And that like, and again, I'm not rewriting it, but like, why wasn't it him killing one of the guys and taking their clothes? Like, that wouldn't that make more sense than like, oh yeah, you know, oh, this is a, literally a museum. This is what they used 150 years ago because it couldn't keep you warm. This will be fine. Now I'm ready to fight a group of terrorists. Um, I, there's some very nonsensical stuff like that happening for sure. I, I, I don't mean it, it took a little more negative turn than I intended. Um, but I, I, I did like this film. Seth, were there any other things you want to talk about? Like any questions, likes or gripes? Um, I mean, what I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that they had, uh, access to helicopters and I, I think they kind of go a little overboard, which is like having helicopters and what to do with them and stuff. And like I said, that beginning sequence where they do the zip line across, I'm just not sure why wouldn't you hover above them and drop a ladder down? It just, the, it, it, it wasn't explained to me in a way where you had to zip line across this giant canyon in the most dangerous way possible. But I mean, I'm, I'm not a rock climber, so I don't know all the ins and outs of this stuff. Also, just to tack on to that for a moment, I even thought this as a kid, it's pretty ballsy for Michael Rooker's character to be mad at Sly 
when he's the one who led his wife onto the rock and couldn't get her off as the mountain climbing expert. So that's a little bit like me taking, I don't want to say that, but like if I were to go out, it's stupid. Like if I'm a great fisherman and I go out fishing and my boat, I fuck up, crash my boat. And then I call Yousef, who's also a great fisherman to come save me. And then I drown swimming in your boat. That's on me. That's not, that's not on you. That's not, that, that's not, or God forbid you come try and save me. And then I'm dragging you down underneath. Like you're allowed to let go. I give you permission to let go and swim to your boat. Like it's from like a dramatic point could have been a little better. Like it could have been a little more his fault. Agreed. Um, also like the, the two base jumper characters, um, I don't know how those guys would be portrayed today, but I just found them like hilariously old. Like that, that's probably the most dated part of the movie is those two characters. It's just like, they're about extremism. They're about hiking and jumping off cliffs. They're the X games guys. This is, this is yeah. what like Hollywood viewed youth. This is the lens through which Hollywood, Hollywood viewed nineties youth. Yes. Oh, they got it. They got to love weed. They got to like extreme sports and they can't be taken seriously at all. There we go. Uh, Yeah. I just thought there was a better way to use those characters inside the plot with the terrorists. And yeah, they don't have to be so one note. Like, you know, they could be a little more intelligent or, uh, you know, maybe they want to radio somebody. It's just, I thought that the way they were used was a little comical. Like the one thing I will say, like, I'm no expert, but generally like those type of people, like there, there is some level of capability, like, like they're serious and that like, it's dangerous out there. So to do those things, there is like, they're not dumb. They know, like they may speak like cool and El Cali, like, but that doesn't mean they're dumb. And that was the one thing that like, to your point, like they were just there to be killed and like, they're just such fodder. And that was one of the things that aged like so badly. I think if it were today, they would be bloggers. They would be like TikTokers. They wouldn't actually do extreme things. They would like do like this stand on the mountain might even be two girls. Like who do like this off the mountain stuff. Maybe they take a picture of this, the heist in the background. Ooh. Working on our Instagram profiles. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a good call. Cliffhanger too. Dingleberries. Oh, also, that was nothing. I know that there was a sequel that was tried, I think almost twice they tried to make a sequel to this movie, and they couldn't quite get it off the ground. But it does, uh, like, I I mean, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, but I do think it would have been interesting to see a sequel. I will tell, I can give you a little information on that. It was supposed to be called The Dam, and it was going to be him, and he was going to, excuse me, Cliffhanger 2, The Dam, yes. He was going to, uh, not, uh, terrorists were going to hijack Hoover Dam and he would have gone to save it. And then there was going to be a remake. I would see that movie. And then there was going to be a remake, which which didn't get much further. Um, oh, and then there was a third remake. Then there's a third, a third female-fronted Cliffhanger reboot, which has been announced, but it seems to be in... Um, Cliffhanger and and, uh, Cliffhanger Hell, if you would, Development Hell. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it. it, I want to see a remake. This is the I. I I would still see it today, even if hopefully, hopefully not. You know, I would see a remake. I would see another film with Sly Stallone as long as he's the one dying in the opening sequence. Well, 
Well, I think, like, if he were going to do it today, I think he's, like, the old man in that rescue station. You know, they kind of have that older character that flies the helicopter, and I think that's kind of who Stallone would be. It's like he, he knows all the ins and outs of the mountain, but he can't climb, you know, like these young kids anymore. So, he's got arthritis like, in his hands. Yeah, you need Chris Pratt to do this, but, you know, Stallone will fly the helicopter. Oh, I like that. I like that casting. You ready for uh, final scores? Yes, I think we're ready for final scores here. All right. Uh, on my, I'll go first. My end, it's good. I'm going to give this film like a 6.2. I, I liked okay. it. I liked it. It's a li- It might sound a little lower based on the way I talked about it. Um, there, there was a lot to like. I think it, I think it was well made. Uh, but what was funny when I was younger, I remember it being like, a really fun, as I said, like fun, fast, action-paced film. Um, and on rewatch, it's just, it's not that. Um, it's a good action film, but it's a little more, I don't want to say meditative, because it's not meditative by any means, but it's a little more dramatic than I recall. And so instead of, it's not a fun action blockbuster, It's I would say it's a better, it's more of a well-made act, dramatic action film. And for me, those are like two different things. And so I'm going on too long. Uh, I liked it. It's good. Uh, but yeah, it definitely feels a little dated in some ways. Uh, and even though there are things I like about it, there are also other elements that I'm glad have kind of faded into a uh, background. I agree. I'm, a, I'm like right with you. I, I think I'd give it a 6.0 where it's like the stuff I like, it's really fun. And like there are sequences where like if you turn this on on cable, you're going to immediately enjoy yourself. But then there's other stuff where it's like, I don't need these dramatic scenes where Stallone's thinking about the girl that he dropped and like trying to win his girlfriend back. And if there's just stuff that it's like, <laughs> you don't, you don't need to hook me like on an emotional level with the movie called cliffhanger, you know, it's like, just kind of get on with what you're doing here. And, yeah. uh, so there's stuff like that. I think that would be removed today if they kind of remade it or something like that. And so that's kind of where I would deduct most points. And yeah, also like, I think your gripe was very on point with just the whole, the geography of it made zero sense. And so, I'm going to land at a 6.0. Ooh, look at that. I like those scores. All right. This has gone on too long. This was fun, man. But it's always fun talking. Seth, goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, people. Bye.